Welcome to PR360, a weekly public relations podcast where we bring on the best and brightest minds in the PR industry. We discuss the important topics that you need to know. Tune in every Wednesday to find out. Hosted by Brett Dicer and in partnership with Global Results Communication. Find more information on globalresultspr.com. And welcome to a new episode of PR360. I'm your host, Brett Dyson. Please subscribe to PR360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Leave a review. It really does help with the rankings. Let us know how we are doing. But this week, I have Kayam with me, and he is part of the head of innovation communication at Bloomberg. He also gets to tell stories about his 6,500 talented engineers. It's quite a bit of people to talk with. And he works as well with technologists in the CTO office and Bloomberg beta investment team. He also is just tasked with both figuring out what's the best way forward and basically brand awareness for Bloomberg in the technology field. So welcome to the show. Hey, Brett. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Happy Friday. Happy Friday as well. And my first question I ask all my guests is, are you a coffee or tea drinker? So so, so, so we've got the mug. It's, it's filled with coffee. Uh, although the good, new, the good news is I'm, I'm double fisting at this today because it's Friday. I understand. It's one of those things where you're just like, I just got to get through Friday for the weekend. That's right. That's right. Looking forward to a nice weekend here in New York City. It's 60 degrees in the middle of December. And it's like, wait, what the heck is going on here? Yeah, it's like 50 here. <laughs> California, it's colder than New York. How does this happen? There you go. There you go. Don't know. Don't know. <laughs> but anyways, I gave a brief introduction to your expertise. Can you give our our listeners a little bit more about what you do and your expertise in the field? Absolutely. So I've been working in the tech VR industry for the last 25 years. I spent 17 years at a variety of different agencies here in New York City. First 10 or so were all B2B tech. Uh, then I joined a consumer tech uh, agency where I led the, the tech PR practice, uh, an anchor client uh, most people have heard of called Skype. Uh, I did their PR for seven and a half years, was the first agency hired by Foursquare uh, and a variety of other uh, big names, worked through Skype's multiple uh, sales and acquisitions, uh, first by eBay to, to uh, a private equity firm and then to Microsoft, worked with Microsoft for a couple of years. And then I've said, you know what, enough of the agency side of things. I went in-house to an Israeli startup for two years, threw a bunch of money and found myself out looking for work, consulting for a bunch of agencies. And then this gig at Bloomberg opened up, uh, head of innovation communication. Most people don't think of Bloomberg, traditionally at least, uh, don't think of Bloomberg as a technology company. They think of them as a media company, finance company, uh, news, you know, obviously. But at our core, we are a technology company. We have, uh, as you mentioned before, um, over 6,500 software engineers at the company. It's over a third of the employee base. And they're building everything from the Bloomberg terminal that uh, everybody knows us for, to our data systems, to AI, all kinds of really interesting things going on under the hood uh, over here. And I have the privilege of telling those stories for our engineers um, with the goal of attracting other talent uh, to come work at the company. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, that that's, sounds <laughs> quite a big... Uh... I say responsibility for all the people that you have and how do you communicate that as well. So what are some ways you have actually enhanced the Bloomberg side of the technology investment side of it? Yeah, totally. So so when I got to the company five and a half years ago, a couple of our engineers used to go to conferences and they used to give talks and nobody really promoted that. And 
so 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 they were talking, but there was no amplification going on. So one of one of the ways I kind of measure this is I look at our, our organic Twitter following. When I came to the company, we had four thousand followers. Today, we have over fifteen thousand uh, on our Tech at Bloomberg handle. I write all the social copy for and and work with you know our engineers to promote their talks, uh, as well as other content. So we have a, a blog called Tech at Bloomberg, which uh, I write all the content. I work with a bunch of writers to write all the content for, and there we tell stories of our engineers and the the teams that they're working on and the things that they're building for Bloomberg. But we also talk about their open source engagement. Um, you know, most people again traditionally Bloomberg forty years old. We built our own tech from the beginning, um, but over the last decade or so, we've become an open source first company, and it's been really important to tell that story because a lot of engineers want to go work somewhere where they can participate in open source, um, where they can give back to the larger community, where they can take advantage of solutions that they don't have to fully build their, on, their, on their own, uh, but can leverage what else is going on in the, in, in the community. And Bloomberg has some unique technology challenges in terms of the volume of data that we deal with on a daily basis. Uh, you know, here, here's, a, here's a great little tidbit. You know, two, over 200 billion pieces of information flow through Bloomberg systems. Um, just from the exchanges around the globe, the stock exchanges around the globe on a daily basis. And we have to deal with those all in order, make sure we don't miss any of them. We have to get them exactly right, because if not, people make or lose money, depending on where you sit in the in the market. So that's certainly really, really important to us. Um, so our systems need to be able to handle that type of uh, volume, but it's also really important to do that at very low latency. So those data points need to be handled in not milliseconds anymore, but microseconds. Um, so it's a unique technical challenge that really um, nobody outside the financial industry really has. And it seems like the open source, at least, has been kind of a popular thing for a lot of businesses. I know Microsoft's getting into more of it with Linux a lot more. So how do you leverage that to let people know? Because I'm pretty sure a lot of people don't know about that, or especially what open source is, for that matter, sometimes. Totally. So we're we're really lucky. We have a, an open source pro program office in our CTO's uh, office, and the folks who work in there, the, 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 their job is really twofold. One is to evangelize for open source within the company. Um, so they spend a lot of time talking to the teams. In fact, uh, just uh, about a week or so ago, we held a uh, tech talk internally um, where we had hundreds of people attending and hearing from our. Uh, open source program office uh, about the state of open source at Bloomberg. Um, and it was really, really interesting to see all the things um, that they've uncovered and, you know, look to do in the, in the, in the year ahead. Um, in terms of externally, though, it's also going into those communities and talking to the folks who work at Bloomberg but are maintaining different projects uh, in open source. So, for example, um, one of the projects that we helped build recently together with folks at Google and Amazon and IBM uh, and Selden um, is something called Case. It used to be called KF Serving. Uh, it was part of the Kubeflow project. It recently was spun out into an independent project and, and is now being moved over to the uh, Linux Foundation's AI and Data uh, Foundation. Um, KServe is really solves a problem for businesses in terms of machine learning model serving. Um, right, traditionally you would have to run you know, a different cluster for every model that you're trying to serve. Um, this will let you run hundreds or thousands of them uh, at once uh, in your Kubernetes clusters and in, in the cloud. And it's really, really powerful and it solves this big problem. You know, everybody's talking about AI, AI, the scale challenge 
and the amount of power that you need and the amount of compute that you need. Um, so KServe is really going to solve a lot of problems. And now our two of our engineers are really heavily involved in the management of the KServe project uh, and helping transition it into uh, the Linux Foundation. Gotcha. And then it seems like the head of innovation communications almost seems like it's a new way of saying influencer marketing. So, I mean, how do you do that within the company? Because it seems like more companies are starting to be like, hey, we have influencers ourselves. Why don't we use our employees? So how do you get that rolling to get people on board? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really, really great question and an insightful one. So so the way I think about influencer marketing as a whole, and you know, again, I talked about a little bit about my intro, um, how I worked at a consumer agency, and we did a lot of this type of stuff, right? We would seed product with people and get them to use it. And then they would blog about it or tweet about it or you know, post on Instagram about it. Um, this is before TikTok, obviously. Um, now, the way I think about this with engineers, right? The engineering, you look at the, that space and people think of them as a sector. It's not. It's a combination of micro sectors, right? You've got C++ engineer developers, JavaScript developers, uh, Python developers, and they're all very different and you have to talk to them very differently and you have to engage with them in very different ways. But the, the, the beauty of this model is the engineers who work at Bloomberg or, or in any other organization, they are the technical experts. They are the ones who know the language, understand it. Um, they're out there evangelizing for it. I think we're in a very lucky situation right now at Bloomberg, we actually have engineers who are not just in the community, but leading the community. So um, one of our engineers yesterday was just voted to his second term on the Python Steering Council. There were five engineers in the world who were driving the future of the Python programming language, and one of them works at Bloomberg. Um, not only was he reelected, but he was the highest vote getter uh, this year. He got uh, 61 votes out of 67 ballots cast. Um, so really, the, the community recognizes these folks as exactly that, the influencers. They're the ones who are shaping the direction of the language. So now, what can we do with that? We are able to use them as thought leaders to talk about how we're using uh, Python at Bloomberg, uh, but we're also able to use them to talk about the direction that the Python language is going. So last uh, earlier this year, Python celebrated its 30th anniversary. Um, we had Pablo, uh, this, this engineer, out there talking to press about not only where is Python going, but how is Python being used within the enterprise? And using Bloomberg as an example of an organization that a decade ago, or a little over a decade ago, you know, Python was just being used to write utilities, um, small utilities. And today, over 2,000 of our engineers are writing uh, Python code on a daily basis. And what it took to go from point A to point B and setting that as a as a a, a, not as a milestone, but as a model for other organizations to follow. So that that's the exactly exactly right. You know, we use them as the experts. Um, we have them write blog posts uh, for us. Uh, one of our engineers, um, who also is one of four people um, leading the direction of the JavaScript future future of JavaScript, uh, Rob Palmer wrote a blog post last year in, at the end of 2020, talking about our adoption of TypeScript. TypeScript is an open source. Uh, platform driven mostly by Microsoft. Um, today, uh, I think Bloomberg is the second most active organization contributing to the future of TypeScript. And, you know, he wrote this whole piece that said, look, these, these are the things we learned adopting TypeScript across the enterprise. Um, 
And that blog post got thousands, not thousands, sorry, tens of thousands of views. And it was all over Reddit and it was all over Hacker News. Um, and that attracts talent who say, oh, I'm active in the TypeScript community. I'm active in the JavaScript community. Oh my God, I had no idea that Bloomberg was doing this. Maybe I should go work there. And we actually had a very active um, developer in the JavaScript community announce earlier this year that he's leaving his existing organization and he'll be joining us in June of 2022. And these are the reasons why. And he posted this whole Twitter Twitter stream uh, about why he's joining Bloomberg. And you know, so it actually works really, really well, this model. And for those that don't actually know, Python is like a coding language, mostly developed by Google. And it's one of the easiest ones I think I heard. I could be wrong about that one. Yeah, Python, Python's super interesting because a lot of kids are starting to learn Python in school. It's really easy to, to, to understand and access. And what's interesting is in our industry, in the finance industry, more and more finance professionals are starting to use Python because it has a scientific bent to it. And the calculations that you can run in Python are incredibly powerful. Folks across all kinds of the sciences are using Python um, to run things. And you can visualize data. Um, it's a really good data science language. Um, and that's why a lot of people are using it. I think it's right now the, the number two most popular uh, programming language on a bunch of the different lists of popular programming languages. Mm -hmm. And then how can startups figure out or what can you give advice for doing what you do for influencers within the, within the company? Because I'm pretty sure some employees are like, I really don't want to like, I guess, like promote my business. I'm just here to work. I don't want to do all this stuff. So how do you get them on board if they're a smaller startup with less people and you're just trying to get some people? Yeah. So, so the thing I always say, so, so there, there are two questions there. That I'm gonna, let, me, let me parse that, right? So there's, the first is the question of, if I'm a startup, right, how do I reach my quote-unquote audience, right? And I think that is the got to be the driver, driver for everything that you do. Who is your audience? How do they behave? What do they do on a day-to-day -day basis? If you're a consumer product, where are the opportunities for you to insert your product sort of into their daily life? If you're a B2B product, it's how is your product solving your customers' problems, um, whatever that problem might be. You know, if it's a technology, you know, obviously it's going to be a total cost of ownership discussion, but it's also like what are the technical challenges they have that you're trying to solve. Um, so, so I think that's that's part one. Really understanding who your audience is and how you can influence them to adopt your product. Um, so that's number one. Number two is the employees of the company, right? How do you get the employees of the company to become evangelists for the organization, either in terms of getting them to convince people to use your product, or on the flip side, to demonstrate the culture of the organization in a way that people will say, oh, that's a really interesting company. That sounds like a place I want to go work. Right? And, and, and there are many different strategies for this. Uh, you know, I think part of it is arming them with a variety of messages of pieces of content that they can go out there and share that they think might be relevant to their networks, whether that's on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Instagram, wherever that might be uh, on social media. But it's also enabling them to be part of that process, right? So, so often there are companies that don't let their employees go out there and blog and don't let their employees go out there and speak to the press. And, and, and there's a reason for that. 
But at the same time, if you have somebody who's uniquely proficient at something, you want them out there. You want them out there speaking at conferences. You want them out there talking to the press about what they're thinking about. Um, and you, yeah, you may have to media train them and you may have to work hand in hand with them. But, but I look at this as a partnership. It's a partnership between the PR and comms teams and the rest of the organization. And it's our role to identify who the right people are to get out there and then to facilitate that. And, you know, not to, you know, be the guy who's always there saying, or gal, who's always there saying, no, sorry, you can't talk to anybody. It, it, it makes those folks, those engineers, those, you know, product people, it just gives them the wrong feeling, if you, you get where, where I'm going, right? Because they're trying to be helpful and you just have to arm them to be successful. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it almost seems like we should, they should start to figure out some guidelines for influencers, not hard, fast rules, because you can't really do that with, with the media or even social media today. But something be like, you can talk about this or something around that of like no company secrets or whatever else. It seems like just mm -hmm. guide them would probably be the best way of media train as well, but guiding. That, that, that's a hundred percent right. I mean, we, you know, we have policies about what people can and can't share and where they can take pictures and where they can't take pictures, you know, in the office. Um, so, we, so we definitely give them that kind of guidelines. Um, and then we also, you know, we'll work with them and, you know, folks regularly come to me and say, Hey, I want to post something on LinkedIn. Can you look at this? And I'm happy to look at stuff because, you know, one, I want to make sure a, they're not leaking IP, uh, into the, into the, uh, ether, uh, cause that, ha that does happen in places and, you know, it's hard to put that back in that genie back in the bottle. Um, but you know, when you work with them and they know what they can and can't say, and it's the same thing with conferences. You know, they, they, you know, they're eager to go and give a talk, um, but then they stand up there and they show, you know, an entire uh, architectural diagram that gives away your entire system architecture. It's like, oh, you don't want that happening. Um, so, so really that, I think that's part of the partnership between comms and, and, and working with, with folks. Um, but there are other tools that, that, that organizations are starting to use. Um, things like, you know, LinkedIn, what used to be Elevate is now rolled into the LinkedIn, you know, it's the My Company tab, where folks can submit posts that, that can then get shared out uh, to other to others across the organization. And if somebody likes what they say, they can just post it straight away, or they can make edits to it and change it and make it, you know, in their own voice. Um, so I think that's also a really important tool that organizations um, should be taking advantage of. Um, and there are lots of other tools like this where, you know, employee engagement platforms um, for folks to create content, to curate content. Um, we use a couple different ways to do that where we pull in um, feeds from, you know, our executives, you know, uh, we pull in feeds from some of our partners, uh, particularly in the philanthropy world, um, so that our employees um, who care about these things um, and these topics can go and share and amplify the great work that the, the many different philanthropic partners that we have at Bloomberg are out there doing, you know, in terms of public health, in terms of the environment, education, you name it. Um, so, so those things, you know, are definitely of value for organizations. And, you know, it may not be for super small startups, um, but, but, you know, giving the employees uh, the nod that it's okay, you know, within reason, um, I think is important. And it also gives you a, diff a new revenue stream or a new content stream, I should say, 
for sharing stuff with your social media and it looks more organic that way that that that's that's really true you know um the amplification piece right a lot of people think oh to be successful on social media i need to pay all kinds of money and and for some things you do um but at the same time you know my network or or my organization's network is only as good as the people who work there um you know when we're when when organizations are looking to hire people you've got maybe tens, 50, hundred people who work there, they all have their own networks. And, you know, that referral network that, they, that you can build um, by getting them to share a job posting or, hey, we're looking for this kind of person. Does anybody know somebody like this, right? That there's so much value there. Uh, you know, on the consumer world, we talk about the referral economy, right? 90% of people buy stuff because people tell them to buy stuff. Um, you know, I have this, I love it. You should buy it. Um, the same is true with jobs. Um, the same is true with, you know, uh, the, one of the agencies I worked for back in the early 2000s had this idea of the, uh, prosumer, the professional consumer, and they had a whole discussion about C-level executives. You know, the CTOs of companies buy things because the CTOs that they know buy the same thing. Um, you know, they have the same problems and they look to the same technologies to buy them. You know, that's why in B2B tech, right, the case study is so important as a, as a PR tool, because you say, oh, somebody like me had the same problem. They solved it with this technology. Oh, I need to look at that technology. But also it's a great way of saying, not for the PR team saying it's a great place to work, but it's also employees saying, yeah, it actually is a great place to work. That's exactly, that's exactly right. I mean, there's so many examples of this. Um, one, one of our former uh, engineers two years ago post, um, created a gingerbread Bloomberg terminal for the holidays. And we took a picture of it. We put it up on our socials. And the other day she reposted it and said, two years ago, I created this. Like, like that, the, the, the content has a long tail and a lot of people think of content as in the moment. And I think it's really important to say, no, you have to think about stuff for how is it going to live in the long term? And yeah, it's, it's, it's content is really is king uh, these days. And if you don't have a content strategy, you need to develop one and you need to think about not just posting it on my blog or whatever, but how are we going to get this out there? in front of as many of the right eyeballs as possible. And I mean, we're almost at 2022. So what have you learned from doing what you do with innovation communication and all slash influencer marketing? What have you learned that you'll take into 2022 about just getting your employees to be happy about where they work and be excited about their expertise at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's been, it's been the last two years, I would say, you know, obviously since March of 2020 has been really interesting. Um, you know, Bloomberg as an organization, you know, we are very much a, an in-person organization. Um, you know, that's the way we get our business done. That's the way we work with collaboratively. Um, so it's been interesting to see, you know, how we've continued that through the pandemic. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, people, you know, our engineers being in the office a couple of days a week, spending time with their, with their peers, and then, you know, going home and writing code uh, from home uh, the other couple of days a week. Um, but it, but it's also been really interesting in terms of changing how that 
conference environment works, right? A lot of the conferences went, went virtual. So we had to learn how to produce virtual talks, right? And, you know, work with the engineers to get their slides that otherwise they would have just gone off to a conference. And now we're pre-recording them and, and, and creating all kinds of other content. But, but at the same time, oh, guess what? Here's another content stream that I can, you know, put out there. So it's now how do I leverage those things um, so that those get into the hands of um, folks we want to come work here? Um, I work very closely with our recruiting team. And, you know, each month they send a newsletter to people who um, have accepted our offers from us and haven't yet started because, you know, they may not start till after they graduate from college. Um, but this way they know what's going on at Bloomberg, even though they're not yet here. Um, so I think that's also super duper important um, to be thinking about new touch points. Um, we've recorded um, different talks that we would normally have given on college campuses when our recruiters were able to go visit college campuses. Um, so now we send the video ahead and, and, and people watch them and, and learn more about the organization. Um, so there's a lot of that type of stuff where we're, we're planning all kinds of new things in 2022 um, from web projects to content projects to, you know, uh, things we haven't even thought about just, just quite yet. Mm -hmm. And what do you think the future of this employee influencer, I guess, initiative strategy how do you think it's going to go in 2022? Do you think it's going to be even bigger? Do you think more employees are going to be able to be give a little bit more leeway? Or do you think it's going to still be tightly controlled because we're still trying to figure it out? Yeah, I, I, I think more and more, again, the employees are your most important culture carriers, you know, regar regardless of where you work. I think that that's incredibly true. You know, that's why you have employees who, you know, interview uh, potential candidates. That's why you have um, employees who go out and recruit on college campuses because they're the ones who can can share their stories. And frankly, as more and more organizations are are, are you know fighting for um, diverse talent and um, wanting to be more inclusive, like you want people who look like me or that you know to to be out there. And and a student goes, oh wait. I see somebody who looks just like me working at Bloomberg, working at some other organization, and they say, I can create my career there. That's super, super important. And, you know, so, so yeah, I, I think the employee engagement piece um, is something I think every organization needs to focus on. I think the pandemic really put a focus on this. I, I've been telling people that in 2021, really now 2022, some of the most important communications challenges um, relate to employee engagement. And, you know, whether it's internal communications, employee communications, you know, again, depending how what people call it. Um, but I think that's super important. And I think the executives of organizations finally realize that this is something that they need to tackle and invest in. Uh, and, and we're seeing that across the, the, the industry. Gotcha. It almost seems like, these past two years have kind of put more of a spotlight on it. And you just can't do a newsletter and say, look, we've communicated to our employees. Pat, pat on the back. That's a hundred percent. Right. You know, um, you know, newsletters serve a purpose and, you know, we send a new, a weekly newsletter to our employees, but we also do town halls and we also do uh, other types of engagements with our, with our executives across the organization you're going to see more and more of that. It, it, it just has to happen. And organizations are hiring 
incredibly talented employee communications professionals. Uh, I think, you know, even at the startup level, the where, where the where the PR and comms teams are very nimble and small. Uh, often they're not just doing you know media relations anymore. They're not just doing you know thought leadership for the executives. They're doing that piece uh, of employee uh, communications. It, it's just it's incredibly critical to to every business. Gotcha. And then fun question for you: What is one of your most interesting stories that you promoted or one of your employees promoted for? Bloomberg's innovative people. Yeah, so so this year, um, I would say I think it was uh, early September, um, we introduced a new product for uh, a market that you know we weren't traditionally known in. So uh, it's something called BQuant Enterprise. Um, you know, Bloomberg traditionally the terminal is used by uh, traders, so it sits on traders' desks, and you know that's sort of the the, the audience that we're known to serve. Um, but increasingly across the industry, you're seeing more and more quantitative approaches to investing. Um, so, so you're getting people with a data science background. You're getting people with a heavy statistics bent uh, to their investment strategies. Um, this is happening in hedge funds. It's happening in traditional uh, markets uh, as well. Um, so we introduced a platform where essentially it's a data science platform for investors uh, that they can create, you know, use data uh, in all kinds of interesting ways, run different um, algorithms against it, um, uh, uh, models against it, um, and, and then start to build these really advanced um, statistical models uh, to analyze their investment strategies. Um, and we were able to sit down with a lot of the folks who um, over the last couple of years really were involved in building this from our own quant finance team um, that sort of birthed the idea to the CTO to who really spearheaded the development of this to the engineers out in San Francisco who uh, have been building this product and really get under the hood with them about the backstory and how it all came together. Um, and then we were able to tell that story. And it was really a lot of fun because traditionally we haven't gotten you know, that kind of access, uh, I would say. And and I think, you know, we saw how successful that was, um, both from our engineers' perspective, seeing that story, but also our clients, you know, being able to appreciate what goes into these incredibly complex technologies um, that helps them, you know, be successful uh, out in the marketplace. So so I think we'll, we'll, we'll start to tell more stories like that uh, in the year ahead. Um, and they're a lot of fun to tell because, you know, you're meeting with folks who have poured not months, but years into building products that now, um, you know, folks are using to, to trade, you know, tens or hundreds of millions or billions of dollars, uh, worth of, um, stocks, commodities, bonds, you name it. Gotcha. And yeah, I mean, that was very interesting. But any final thoughts for our listeners? Oh my gosh, they, you know what? It, it's such a fun industry to be in. Um, you know, as, as you know, I, I sort of top leveled it, but the stories and and the people that I've worked with and uh, the the um, really the stories I've been able to tell uh, for brands. Uh, at the end of the day, if you're working in this industry, it's all about storytelling. Um, that's why you need to know your audience. You need to know what will work, what won't work. Um, you know, it's it's fun, creative, and 
you know, just have at it and, and be smart about it. Um, I think that those are the key bits of advice that I give people when I sit down with folks who say, hey, I'm interested in getting into PR. I'm like, well, you have to understand what you're getting into. And, and it's not glorious right away. I always say this to people. It's like, you're not going to come in on day one and, you know, be talking to, you know, the New York Times or Bloomberg News or, you know, Good Morning America. Like, you're going to have to learn the business of PR, but you're also going to have to learn your client's business because the journalist that you call about story one may ask you about story two. And if you don't know about story two, then then all of a sudden you're not helping the journalist because I think that's also part of the business, right? Is to help the journalist, to help the journalist with their story, to make the story come to life, um, to give them good ideas that they may not be thinking of. Um, without those things and, and that passion, I think, for it is really, really critical. Um, you know, this business can, can get dull, but for, frankly, it, you know, for me, it's, it's exciting every single day, every single day, you know, every, some people ask me like, what's a, what's a normal day. There's no such thing as a normal day. Um, every day is different. And I'm constantly, you know, jumping from technology area one to technology area two to working with, you know, folks in different parts of our business. And it's just fascinating. I, I learned so, so, so much, uh, about technology. Uh, about the industry, about the people. Uh, and I think that's that's what people should want out of it. All right. Well, thank you for joining PR360 and sharing about influencer marketing and everything about Bloomberg as well. Brett, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And uh, I wish you, your listeners, and everybody else a uh, happy holiday season and uh, stay safe out there. And uh, 2022, we get back to normal. Let's hope. We can always hope and pray about that one. But thank you for listening to PR360. As always, please subscribe to PR360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Leave a review. It really does help with the rankings. Let us know how we're doing. But join us next week as we talk to another great thought leader in the PR industry. All right, guys, stay safe. Get to know your employees and get that employee influencer marketing going. And see you next week. Later.